So in the country of Nigeria, uh, a Christian man was asleep with his family, his wife and, and, and child. And he was awoken by a hard knocking at the door. And when he opened the door, outside were a group of uh, Muslim extremists who, uh, from an organization called, I think it's Boko Haram. And I guess they, they are um, an organization that tries to get Christians to promote their, uh, give up their faith and come over to uh, the Muslim religion and to give their life to Allah. And so the, these extremists were outside his door. And when he opened his door, because they had guns, and they said, uh, we're here to, for you to uh, uh, give your allegiance to Allah, to say the Muslim prayer, which was Allah is the only God. Now, he said no. He said, I, I, I cannot do that. He said, I'm a Christian, and my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And they said, well, we'll give you one more chance. And they pointed the gun at his head, and uh, as they were doing that, they said, we want you to give your allegiance to Allah and to reject Christ. He said, no, I, I cannot do that. So uh, the men looked at his wife and said, your husband is very, very stubborn. And as uh, they said that to him, they pulled the trigger. And uh, he fell, and of course the, there was a pool of blood there. His wife was crying, and his, his son was crying. And the men kicked him a couple of times to make sure he was dead, and then they, they left. And after they left, his wife heard her husband saying, I'm still alive, I'm still alive, you know, get me help. And so they took him uh, to the nearest Christian hospital, uh, which was, I guess, hours away. It took quite a bit of time for them to get there. And the doctor said, there, it's a miracle that he's even alive, you know, because he had lost so much blood and, you know, because of the injuries in his head. So the doctor said, we, you know, we, we, we'll take a look at him and let's see if we can maybe do some bone grafting because he had lost part of his jaw. And uh, so they said the, the next day they were going to start, you know, operating on him and everything. So the next day they went back, you know, to check him to take a look and see what was thing. And his jaw had totally healed during the night. And this man survived that. You know, we're so blessed living in this country. We don't face persecutions like this. We don't have to worry about, you know, coming to church on a Sunday. We don't have to worry about uh, declaring our allegiance to Jesus Christ in any way. I mean, the only persecution we might receive is just disapproval by other, other people that might, might be our friends. When you look at the world and, and everything that is going on in the world... Uh, What's going on in Syria and Iraq and, you know, how people are, Christian families are being slaughtered. Uh, babies are being cut in half and different things like that because they're Christians. You know, and, and you look in China where uh, pastors have to kind of hide in, in, in somebody's house and hope that they're not found out that they're having a service. And many pastors wind up in China in jail 
okay, and, and being tortured because of their faith. And we don't face any of these things. And, you know, I, I, I even had to repent over this because I forget sometimes. Number one, I need to be praying for our Christian brothers and sisters in other countries because there's so, much, there's so much persecution going on. And we have a tendency here because we live in this free land to forget that. You know, we, we just forget about it. And I know I do. And also to just be thankful to God for what he has allowed us to live in. You know, you and I have been, uh, God placed us here in this nation. It's, it's not by accident that we happen to be here and there are other people that are living in other parts of the world. In Acts 17, he says, it's, this is 17:26, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. You see, God... He has a pre-appointed time for us to be alive, and he also has a pre-appointed place for us. And thank God he placed us in America. You know, I mean, this is something that uh, we really need to be grateful for, because as you can see from what I said before, there's so much persecution going on all throughout the world. There aren't, there are only a few nations where we actually live in this freedom. And we really need to to be thankful for that. Our country actually, in a certain sense, was founded because of persecution. And I, I know when we think of founding of America, we think of Christopher Columbus. But I'm thinking more in terms of the pilgrims when they came over. The reason that they came was originally because of persecution. They lived in England and the official religion in England was the Church of England. And the king had said that this is, this is what everybody has to follow. Well, the pilgrims wouldn't follow the Church of England because it was just basically a, uh, you know, you go to church on Sunday and leave and you live the life the way you want to live it. And that's, that's how, you know, the Church of England was pretty much uh, was run. And you could see that by the actions of the king that, uh, who had promoted that. But... Uh, the pilgrims, because they, of course, they weren't called pilgrims over there, but they lived in, in a separate life. They were called separatists because they separated from the Church of England. But they were extremely persecuted during that time. They're, in, in a sense, they, the neighbors didn't want to have anything to do with them. And when they went out to get a job and to earn money, they got the lowliest of the lowly jobs. You know, cleaning toilets, cleaning the streets, collecting garbage, stuff like that. That was the only jobs that they could get because they were not part of the Church of England. And eventually they moved to Holland and from there uh, came uh, to America. At least some of them did. And, um, of course, they took that uh, luxury liner across the uh, ocean uh, to to live in uh, I don't know how many of you have seen the, the replica of the Mayflower uh, in, in Massachusetts and it's unbelievable what they came over in because maybe it was about a quarter of the size of this church right here and the ceiling was only about six feet high so they lived in that for a, a month about 30 days and uh, 
with very, very little food. And, of course, and it, it's amazing that, that they all survived and, and came over here. But the neat thing about the pilgrims is they, they knew human nature. And when they landed, uh, one of the things that they said, anybody here doesn't work, you don't eat. And put that one into America today. You know, I mean, it, that's the, things have changed quite a bit. And they wrote the Mayflower Compact. They wrote a series of laws for government because they knew that there had to be some form of government. You couldn't just live the way you wanted to live and everything would just be fine. And it, so it was, it was very, very diff difficult. But that Mayflower Compact is the basis of our Constitution. All right? Our Constitution went and looked at that. And a lot of the things that were written in our Constitution um, uh, uh, were taken from that. And that's why our Constitution is based on Judeo-Christian values. I've heard from some of our founding fathers saying, you take away those Judeo-Christian values and the Constitution will not work anymore. Okay? And you're seeing some of that happen uh, in our country uh, today. So because of our Constitution, uh, we are really not a democracy. All right? Many people think we're a democracy, but we're really, really not. In a democracy, uh, it's the people that make the laws. So if we wanted a new law, we would have to vote as, as, as people. We would vote on, on the law, and then it would be able to change. And uh, the stability of our country is based on the fact that we're not a democracy, because you know there's many laws that we don't like. And if every time somebody didn't like a law, we put it to a vote and changed everything, the laws would constantly, constantly be changing. But we are a republic. And as a republic, we elect people who make those laws. So it's really important in that, that election process that we uh, do the right, right thing and get the right people in there because those are the people that are going to make our laws. So voting, voting becomes a really, really important thing in our country. And there's two, two ways that, we're, uh, ha that we have to handle this the fact that we do have leaders that we elect, elected. Uh, one is uh, in a physical way, and that uh, is shown in the book of Romans, chapter 13. Some very familiar verses, but uh, it starts right in, in verse 1. It says, Let every soul be subject to the governing, of governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that are, exist are appointed by God. It's, a lot of times it's hard for us to imagine that that is actually true, that our, you know, the people that in our government, because we have good people in our government, we have people that are not so good in our government, and it's hard to believe that they are appointed by God, but that's what the Word of God says. So we, ha we always have to you know, remember that in, in that. It says, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Okay? Now, I'm not sure if that judgment is judgment from the authorities or judgment from God. It's probably a little of both. Okay? Because when we do resist the governing authorities, we can be thrown in jail, depending on what, what we do in, in that realm. But we could also be judged by God because we're disobeying his word. 
It says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You know, when, this was, when these scriptures were written, we have to look at who the governing authorities in Rome were. And, of course, I think Nero was the, the governing authority at that time. If you look at Nero, we have never had a government in our country that was as bad as Nero, no matter what, what really has happened. Okay, verse 4. For he is God's minister to you. So our government, all our leaders, are God's minister to us. And it says, for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. I've heard many ministers say, boy, I wish God hadn't put that verse in there. (laughs) Not something we really relish doing, you know, is paying taxes. But again, it's it's God's will that we do that. Okay, so that's how we handle our leaders our relationship with our leaders physically. And what about spiritually? Okay, and that very familiar uh, scripture in 1 Timothy, verse 2, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life and all godliness and reverence. Now let's look at, at some of those things that God has asked us to do. To make supplications, prayers, intercessions. We're supposed to be interceding for our leaders. And then giving of thanks. We're to give thanks for the leaders that God has given us. Okay? No matter how we feel about them and, and what their you know, party their relationship is, it doesn't matter. We're still giving of thanks. Okay, it's important. So, where are we going with all of this? All right, it's really, really important the things that we are allowed to do as a as a republic, and that's electing our leaders. And that vote uh, that we have is so important because we do want to have godly leaders. I mean, uh, God says so that that we can. Um, lead a peaceable life in all godliness. Uh, bad leaders don't exactly let us live a peaceable life in all godliness. So uh, where, where do we fit in here as Christians? Uh, and the, the one thing, I mean, we can be praying, and that's a, a thing that it says in uh, chapter 2 here in First Timothy, that we need to be praying and interceding. But God also gives us the ability to cast a vote for men when we, when we do that. So these are the things I want to talk a little bit about as we go on, and I want to allow you guys to talk a little bit about this. I have two questions that I want to throw out to you and uh, get your opinions on them. You can you know, think about a little bit about them, but uh, I will come around with the microphone and let you just bring that opinion out. 
Okay? Uh, sometimes when you have time to think about this, you can think about scriptures that might promote it. But there are no scriptures in, in the Bible that say that you have to vote. Okay? There's nothing in there. And because when the Bible was written, people weren't really voting on anything at that time. So this is something that came along as part of our, our culture in here. And we are told to be salt and light for our culture. So let's get this on. There we go. All right. So the first question, think hard. If Jesus lived in present-day America, would he vote? If Jesus lived in present-day America, would he vote? It's a tough question because, you know, there's, there's different aspects of it. And, you know, you can think in terms of different ways. But let's, let's go with this and see. Go ahead. When the uh, um, teachers um, attempted to trick him and asked him um, about the coin, uh, about uh, paying taxes, uh, he looked to the coin and told them, you give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So he made fairly clear that um, he looked at... um, the uh, governing elements to receive a certain amount of uh, responsible behavior from us in certain ways. And based on that, um, if we have the privilege to vote, the right to vote, uh, then uh, based on what Jesus said, giving to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, I would say that uh, we have um, a responsibility to God to um, take advantage of that. Okay. Yeah, Mike and I were talking about this before, but a, another thought came to me was that, you know, Jesus never stopped being Jewish. He participated in all the, uh, all the festivals, all the, all the things that would uh, signify that he that he was Jewish, and so he, he gladly took part of those things as part of who he was. So he took part of the culture that he was in, and he also, the thing with the coin, the thing with paying taxes was that, there's, you know, Mike and I were talking about a pastor who said he didn't think Jesus would mm-hmm. vote because Jesus would know the heart of man, and therefore he couldn't vote for anyone because he would know the heart of man. Uh, we were talking about that. The thought came, well, Jesus knows the heart of man is true, but he knew the heart of the disciples, and he chose the 12 most unlikely people to spread the gospel. That was a, a vote of confidence in these men. This was a, and, a, and a vote is a choice. It's a, it's a way that we signify our endorsement of something. And so I, I, I have no problem thinking that Jesus indeed would vote, even knowing the heart of man, because I know he knows my heart, and he still chooses to use me as well. So I, I have a funny feeling that Jesus would probably participate in the uh, America freedom of voting. I'm not saying I'm right, though. <laughs> Mine's not as profound as that. But he probably would vote 
wouldn't he also, he would already know who's going to win. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's the only thought that came to my mind. Know. Not that he would vote because, I mean, he already knows, but he wouldn't do it to persuade anybody else. He would do it because that's, it's, that's even a deeper question maybe because he knows whether the people are going to vote for the right person or not, not necessarily the person he wants in there or thinks should be in there. Because then they throw out that free will so he knows, oh, they're going to vote. Just like when they asked, they wanted a king. They, you know, they didn't like the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the prophets or whoever really, they wanted a king. He was like, all right. You know, you, uh, you don't know what you're asking for. But I think he would, I agree, I think he'd probably vote. But there's other ways to look at it of why. Yeah, as far as the culture was concerned, I mean, even if he knew who was going to win, he would be an example in his culture. You know, when you want to encourage other people to vote, what's the best way to encourage is to show by example. And if Jesus didn't vote, then culturally a lot of people would probably imitate that and say, well, I shouldn't vote either, then he didn't vote, you know. All right, second question. Do you think that we as Christians have an obligation to vote because Christ commanded us to be salt and light in our culture? I'll say it again. Do you think we as Christians have an obligation to vote because Christ commanded us to be salt and light in our culture. So, so I think you answered that partly just before, is that we're, we're, what's, how are we supposed to show our testimony? It's through our, through our actions, you know, so... If you're going to go and and tell people all about Christ and this and, you know, we can use abortion and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other topics of what we believe and what the Bible teaches. And then we sit back and allow our town, city or, or state or country to just cave into everything opposite of what we've been telling our neighbor we believe and is good and right. You, you're not being the light, or you know, you're you're not doing your obligation. You're all talk and no actions. So I think yes, you need to vote. Uh, to, to add uh, to what you're saying, uh, Dana, um, the idea of um, uh, what comes to mind is when he said, "If you do this for the least of these." my people you do it for me but what preceded that is um what are you not doing what were you, what were they not doing um how did we not feed you how did we not clothe you how did we not do these things so there uh, uh, the part of that that you're talking about is also the idea of what not only what we are doing but what we're not doing as well and uh, i think he brought that out in that 
is that what we're not doing also has an effect uh, as well as what we are doing and that that's an important thing we need to bring into our understanding as well. I think there, are, there is a belief out there that as Christians we shouldn't be part of a, the political arena because there's corruption in there, you know, and because there's corruption in there that, um, you know, we should be separate from that. And the thing is, is that when we think about the country is run by the people who get elected. And if Christians do not vote, then who chooses our leaders? It's basically non-Christians. It's the the ungodly who are going to choose and more than likely they're going to choose ungodly leaders because they will vote for people that uh, you know that that are believe similar to what they believe it i looked at some of the um, some of the statistics i, I look back to the elections that occurred in 2006. At that time, there were 52 million evangelical Christians that said they were. Of the 52 million, 10 million were not registered to vote at all. And in that election process, 20 million of, over, actually over 20 million of those who were registered did not vote. So out of 52 million, there were 30 million that did not vote in the election in 06. So it was uh, more than half of uh, Christians did not vote. Those statistics got worse as time went on from 06 until now. In the last election, uh, 75% of Christians did not vote. So only, only 25% of them did. So... We're not in good shape as far as that is concerned. Um, they, I, I get a, a sheet from the Intercessors for America, and they actually uh, declared today to be like voting Sunday, and it, just to, to encourage uh, p- people in your churches to, to, vote, to get out and vote because there's so many people, obviously, that don't. And the direction of our country could change from that. Voting, it's, it's not the only way that we can affect our culture, obviously. I mean, prayer is probably the most important way. But it is one of the ways that we can uh, have an effect on it. Because if leaders are chosen that lack wisdom, then what can happen is that we can have men in there, or women in there, that are selfish, are dishonest, and could sell our freedoms away uh, for comfort. And we're seeing that with the national debt that we have. And that national debt has been, you know, built up through the years uh, by both parties. So it's not, it's not, you know, not one party's fault that it's all, it's all happening. But we, we've seen it grow and grow and grow to the, a point where almost impossible that we could even pay it off. And when you try and compare this to ourselves and our own families, 
And in our own families, would we, as parents, take vacations and spend enormous amounts of money for our own comfort, knowing that someday we're going to die and pass that debt along to our children? And, you know, how many of us would do that? And, you know, people would say, I would never do that. I would never do that. But that's basically what we're doing as a country. We're, we're building up this tremendous debt that is going to be passed off to somebody. Somebody's got to pay for it. So who's coming along? It's our children. It's our grandchildren. Okay? And we're just seeing an, an awful lot of that in our country. And it's, it's not being addressed in, in the sense that, People realize it, and I, I think our politicians realize it, but it really to, to do something about it means that you're going to cut something, and if you cut something, you're not going to be looked on as very popular, which means you might not get reelected. So it, it's this, you know, really toss back and forth, and how do we, uh, how do we uh, you know, start paying this debt off? Because right now we're not. So uh, it's, just, it's just really important to vote for the people that, you know, to pray about it and see who does God want us to vote for, okay? We're not going to vote for anybody who's perfect. That isn't going to happen, you know, but you just vote for the uh, best candidate that you can and then try to, if you can, to bring out certain things like the national debt and other things that are important uh, in, as for us as Christians for our politicians to realize that. I, I t- entitled this message, Today's Choices and Tomorrow's Perils. You know, And it's the choices we make today, some of it in voting, and there's other choices we make, all right, that can bring, around, bring about dangers for uh, in the future, and it's it can be dangerous for us, but it's really dangerous for our children and our grandchildren, because I want them to grow up in the same nation I grew up in, and that uh, you know that that there is a peril here that that might not be, you know that 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 might change. So why don't we pray and uh, finish up? I guess I'll just hold it. <laughs> well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our country. We thank you that you have given us a land to live in that's free, Lord, that enables us especially to practice our faith without persecution. We do pray for all the Christians in third world nations, Lord God, that are being persecuted regularly who live not knowing from day to day whether or not uh, they will have somebody showing up at their door demanding that they do something against their faith. So we, we, we pray for them. We pray for security for them. We pray for safety for them. And we pray for those who are in prisons, Lord, that they be released, Lord God. And uh, for the many pastors who uh, have been uh, uh, jailed, Lord God, because of their faith. And we thank you uh, for our leaders, Lord. We, we, we ask that you bless them, that you give them wisdom and understanding as they make decisions uh, for our country. And uh, Lord, uh, we thank you for 
this building that you have given us, Lord, and uh, just the, uh, our ability to have a place on Sunday mornings to uh, worship you. So we praise you and bless you in your precious name. We pray. Amen.